Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. The flight attendant. Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard episode 160 of Streaming in Place Airlines. I'm going to be your captain for this leg of the journey, Noel Kirkpatrick. Joining me in the cockpit is going to be my co-pilot, Kate Kolzak, and my navigator, Allison Shoemaker. We hope that you all have a safe and pleasant journey while we discuss the first three episodes of Flight Attendant this week. Well, this week, I mean today. Um, which are episodes one, two, and three, which is In Case of Emergency, Rabbits, and Funeralia. So everyone put your seats and trays in an upright position and let's go ahead and get started um i've watched the first six of these (laughs) yeah i've actually watched one through six so far um i have not watched seven which also dropped last week um we just didn't have time to get to it so i'm a little bit ahead of everyone i think i think um which is why i'm hosting because i know more things this time um which is fun it's a fun place to be in but um why don't we start with you all kind of telling me where you are in the show because that will definitely influence how we talk about some of the things that happened just in these first three episodes which i've rewatched really frantically today the two of them today and one of them over the weekend and i just went oh God damn, there's so much plot in these first three episodes. There really is. Um, Which is something Allison had said really early on, uh, because she was like, I've seen the first four um, back right before it started. And she just went, wait, no, how many episodes did they drop? And we were like, three? She's just like, it felt like four. Um, Because there's so much in this. But then also rewatching these episodes, I just went, oh, there's so much happening in these three episodes. So... Where are the two of you, and where do you want to start, start? Like, how do we want to tackle doing three episodes at once? (laughs) What do you think, Kate? Well, I think you should go first, because I've seen the least. Okay. Great. Well, I'm not sure how we should approach it, other than to just gush about how much fun it is to watch. God, it's so good. Um, But I was wrong. I I have seen the first four. However, I think maybe when I told you that I had seen... All, all of it, I meant, like, I've seen, like, five or six episodes. Okay. <laughs> because it is so much plot. Like, there's so much that happens. Um, when I got... It, I, the reason I've seen four is because I was reviewing it. I um, I haven't watched since I watched the screeners, other than when I rewatched last night. And then I just also rewatched episode four, because how do you stop at the end of episode three? Um, oh, it's hard. It's, it's hard, really but... hard. Um it so that I had to come on and record this podcast. <laughs> there you go. A nice deadline always helps. Um, it's ju- there's just so much that happens, and it's all so compelling that it feels like more episodes of TV than it actually is, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you get an episode that's so plot heavy that you just can't deal, and it's um, super overstuffed. Like you can't latch on to anything, you know. Uh, but this reminded me a lot, and I mean this as high praise. Um, it reminded me a lot of like the beginning of season two of Alias, where everything is happening so fast and there's so much going on and it's all really good. And yet somehow it all remains character focused. Mm-hmm. Um, it's which is what it like. This is uh, like a twisty thriller that's really just a character study. Um, it's the cheese that's wrapped around the pill. It's it is also, of course, 
a very good twisty thriller. Um, but really, we're just here for Cassie and her experience and the really terrific performance that's bringing her to life. So, um, so yeah, I have seen four, uh, but we'll do my very best to not talk about episode three, despite um, the addition to the cast who comes into fuller focus in episode four. Well, but she she shows up earlier over the course of two and three. Does so, she? And maybe yeah. it's all blurring in my head. I I think yeah. of um, uh, of episode four as being the the most heavy in that direction without spoiling anything. The right. Most heavy yeah. In no. That direction. Who you're talking about actually pops up in episode two. Following. Great. So I'm talking about Michelle Gomez. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the, the woman, the myth, the legend. She's always good in everything. Um, and. And somehow I didn't know she was in this. So when she showed up, I just screamed. <laughs> like, I just, I was so excited. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on. Kate, you've just seen the first three? I've seen the first three. Uh, and I have not watched more. Uh, because I respect our listeners, guys. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, listeners, Kate gave me the okay to keep watching. I did, I did. They, they so. did that. It happened. It was the thing that happened. Um, but no, I've seen the first three, and I am excited to report that the parents are watching this as well. Oh, nice. Or they would be if you could freaking watch it on our TV, which you can't. Oh. Uh, so currently, but I, and I'm actually not worried about this getting spoiled, uh, cause sometimes they listen, but I don't think they will listen to this cause they haven't seen all three episodes. Hopefully they won't. Um, but, but we're getting my dad a Roku for Christmas. Oh, okay. So fingers crossed. Or you crossed. still can't watch HBO Max on it. Yeah. Fingers crossed that by then they will have worked out that deal to keep footsieing around, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate, you but, don't have a PlayStation, do you? No, I have a, I have an Xbox 360 and you can use all the other apps on an Xbox 360, <laughs> but you can't do an HBO Max app. You have to right. have the Xbox One, which we're not going to buy because we don't no. play video games. Um, anyways, so so I have seen this because I was happy to watch it on my laptop. But I was like, you know what? I need to. I should re- try to rewatch these. You know, I feel like they would enjoy it. And let me tell you, my dad's on board. And my mom is loving it. She yeah. was like, was like cackling with the flight attendants like immediately. She's like, I'm pretty sure I read this. Like when this, you know, she's read the book that it's based on, but it was, Mm. you know, years ago. Um, So she doesn't remember all the specifics, but she was like almost immediately, like as soon as we met Rosie Perez and and then the other um, flight attendants as well, she was like giggling and on board because she's quilting (laughs) currently. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so it's a, you know, it's been a good, it's been a good blend of things. Uh, So, so by the time that there's the wake me up before you go, go sting, that's, (laughs) That's how I knew. Like I liked it from the jump, but when that they they when they hit that alarm the second time, as in the like the horror of the reveal, and it's so hilarious. Um, that's when I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like this show. I'm definitely gonna like this show. Um, and yeah, the the parents were on board. Dad Dad likes it. Mom particularly is tickled. So it's hitting that Deadpool spot for her, which is uh you know because she's a big fan of Deadpool. None of the other superhero movies. Like none of Deadpool. them. Just Black, Deadpool. Black Panther and Deadpool. She really liked Black Panther. <laughs> she saw Black Panther twice. She doesn't see movies twice. That was a big deal. Um, but but not the not the other ones. Um, anyway, so so I'm very excited for that. So hopefully, in a future streaming place, I can give y'all an update on yeah. how the viewing went at the Kulzik Bunker after we watch Wonder Woman '84 on the TV because Roku is in, and HBO Max have made a deal. Don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me hanging, universe. I need to it's, watch Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas. Happening. 
You got to secret that into existence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just wishing that there. But I, I, I'm super on board with this. And how we talk about these first three episodes, I think, and I, I'm very curious what Marcus thinks because he had not seen any of this either. And Marcus is hanging out today. So Marcus, throwing your, your thoughts in the chat. But um, yeah, the, it's it's very charming and likable. And you know, I saw someone on Twitter, and I wish I could remember who, um, one of the critics I follow, talk about this as <laughs> they really appreciate the show and like the show because to them... Cassie is the walking embodiment of New Orleans. <laughs> like, <just laughs> New Orleans as a person, which is, like, really friendly and warm and probably a little drunk right now, but, like, charming and easygoing, and you re- just really are on board with them right from the start. And I was like, that is such an interesting and hilarious description from someone who has at one point lived there. I don't remember who it was, but I remember that part of it. Um I don't know. I don't know that this movie or this sorry movie miniseries works if you don't have the right person in the lead. And Kayla Cuoco is absolutely the right person. Uh, she's terrific, and it's very exciting to watch her get to stretch her legs and just have fun with this character. Yeah, and that's something we talked about a little bit last week, where Cuoco is one of the executive producers on it. Her production um, studio is the main force behind it. And it's a really great vehicle for her and a really great way for her to introduce, reintroduce herself after doing 11 seasons of The Big Bang Theory and a couple of, like, Priceline commercials with William Shatner um, to be like, hi, by the way, I can act and I can do a bunch of other stuff um, because she's really great. And this is her show. Like, she carries it. Um, the show, like, expands outward progressively as it continues. But especially for these first three episodes, it's pretty much all her in getting us into things. And the New Orleans comparison, I think, is semi-apt because there's still that undercurrent of trauma and sadness to both New Orleans and Cassie, which I'm sure won't be explored at any point. In no, the no, there won't be more stuff with the deer and rabbits at all. It's nope. very, it's, it's, especially on rewatch, it's real heavy-handed, but... Yeah. um. Yeah. I totally missed the whole, we're going to, I'm going to adopt some rabbits. And I just totally missed that the first time I watched this. I went, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> um, love. So I think Quoco's really, really good um, because she, she walks a really delicate tightrope here of being lovable, but also being an alcoholic <laughs> because she is an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, and the show, I think, does a really good job of making that kind of seem a little bit glamorous, but also very quickly going like, this is not a good thing. This is bad. She's doing all of these. She's making a series of bad decisions, even across like this first episode in the first episode where she's just like refusing to leave her hotel room in South Korea because she's like, no, I don't need to go out. I don't need to be with anyone. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to throw this bottle of vodka against the wall, but it's a plastic bottle. So it just bounces back off, which is such a good joke. Um, there are a number of really solid, great jokes across this like that. This, you mentioned Wake Me Up Before You Go, Go Kitty, which is just so good. Okay. So I think that there's a lot of really great stuff, but Quoco anchors everything um, and anchors it really, really well. Um, so I'm really pleased about that. But we also kind of knew she had like a bit more range just based on like vocal performance for Harley Quinn. Um, so that this is feels very much like an extension of that. Yeah. Marcus says, I'm generally very leery of thrillers because there are many bad ones. And yes, there 
or Hargree. Yeah. Um, but so far they seem to be, uh, they seem to be its own take. It seems to be its own take on the genre with Kayla Cuoco being the driving force behind the originality. She is a mess. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. And I mean, like they, I think if you are not going to like this, you are going to not realize you're not going to like it very quickly. And I think the moment, like, cause you might still, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not, Right now, I'm loving it. I don't anticipate that changing, but I could also see if this this could fizzle at a certain point if they don't l- nail certain things. Um, so I won't say that the thing that where you know if you're going to be on board is this, but the place where you know whether you should get off board, whether you should deplane, is the the little flirty conversation on the plane um, with three C uh, about uh, crime and punishment and Doctor Zhivago. And, well, Dr. Zhivago's messy, and she's like, what's wrong with messy? And you're like, yep, either you're going to like this, or you're going to be like, nope, flashbacks, trauma, my own, like, connections with messy people, nope, getting off. Um, And I I really, I don't think they earn that she's read Crime and Punishment thing, or she's read Dr. Zhivago thing, um, based on anything else we see in the first three episodes. But I like that, like, maybe for an English class or something, at one point she, like, started to read Crime and Punishment and was like, nope, threw it away, and then switched to Dr. Zhivago instead. Because her saying, well, tell me how it turns out for any of the women, is just like, yeah, okay, we're It's a blanket good. statement for Russian literature, though. I yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, yep, we're on board. This is their, she's smart too, guys. You, she, she's funny, and she's smart, and she's sexy. Uh, you're going to like this person. So um, that that whole line about, yeah, it's messy, but why is that bad, I think tells you everything you need to know about the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a certain... I feel like everybody has one of these people in their lives, and sometimes people have been this person for a while. I had a phase where I was, I mean, not at Cassie's level, but where I very much felt like every once in a while I was just the life of the party, and it was fun um but i was a mess and it wasn't fun when i was at home you know mm-hmm. um and i think the show does a really good job of capture and this is largely due to kuoko because she, as we've said many times now she's so good of capturing that person who is so charismatic who you like so much who is incredibly self-destructive and can also be really bad for you. And all of those things are true at the same time. And I think while we're on the subject of ringtones, her other ringtone really helps there because whenever that we hear that ringtone, it's inevitably in a situation where it feels really inappropriate, whether it's her brother, and I'm so glad to see TR Night on TV again, whether it's her brother calling her and he's getting his kids ready and she is a mess, or... Uh, it's you Rose- me at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> or it's Rosie Perez talking about how glamorous she is, but also mm-hmm. getting really irritated. Um, or uh, Annie's bewilderment when she calls about Amanda Knox. <laughs> that, oh my God, that, I think that's the scene where I was like, we're in love. I'm in love with the flight attendant. Um, y- you can just see how inappropriate it is like how you put her into a space where that's not what's expected and all of a sudden it emphasizes all of the dysfunction right like the does she does she take her train trip in this episode or is that episode four it's at the end of episode three yeah at the end of episode three yeah she's on the train yeah yes okay great that's what i thought um so 
when it goes off at the funeral, I think, is the best example of that, right? More than once! Because first of all, anytime somebody's cell phone goes off, it always goes off more than once. They never do that in movies and TV. Anyone who's worked in theater will tell you, the person whose cell phone goes off, they're so busy trying to silence it that they forget to turn it off entirely, or it makes noise when they're shutting it down. Anyway, turn off your fucking phones if we ever get theaters back. Ever. Ever. Um, But I think that that is a really great example of that where she looks so beautiful and you can and she's reacting obviously with empathy while also with selfishness and it's incredibly inappropriate um and the exasperation of her friend with that situation and all of that yeah Mm -hmm. i'm a fan yeah uh marcus says i think um how do we pronounce his name michael heisman thank you something like that yeah michael wiesman (laughs) something like that has really cornered the market on quasi uh, love interests for the female leads of series, which is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does so much really great work, especially across these three episodes, both as Alex and then Alex, um, <laughs> the Alex that resides inside of um, Cassandra's head, Cassie's head, um, which is probably one of my favorite things about the show is when we get to duck into Cassie's head and because it's very clear Cassie has never been here before. She's very unsettled by being here. And it's not just that she's seeing Alex covered in blood and then he's slowly getting dressed and the wound is closing and all this stuff over the course of the first couple episodes. But it's the fact that she's just never been in here before. She's never experienced this kind of weird disassociative thing happening before that at least she can remember um which culminates really beautifully at the end of the first episode where they pull back the curtain and she's literally seeing herself not from like a first person perspective but from behind um which i just love as a big reveal Mm -hmm. um and then you get another reveal of there was a second woman um (laughs) which is also just great um but i just love that because it just folds into the fact of there's not a lot of like heavy introspection here but she's being pushed into by this trauma that she has experienced of waking up next to a guy whose throat has been cut open and that she had sex with three times including that one time in the infinity pool (laughs) (laughs) which um i would just be afraid of falling out of the infinity pool i know that's not how infinity pools work but like that's their whole thing is that you look like you're about to fall out of it um but all of that, I think, just builds. And then how Alex behaves, both on his date, but then inside her head, feels really distinct because it's informed by everything Cassie knows or thinks she knows. But then that all, I'll just let you know, starts to shift a little bit as her mental state just kind of gets thornier. Um, so how do you guys feel about, how do the two of you feel about um, Heisman? Houseman. Um, I'm not even saying it anywhere right. (laughs) I think it's like the casting is terrific. He's very Mm -hmm. good. Um, He's really grown on me a lot over the years. Uh, I started out kind of rough on Treme for me as Sunny, um, but then that's a combination of factors of like the character and what that character was dealing with with some really dark uh, and difficult stuff around addiction and trauma. Um, And then growing that character over the course of Treme and then him, of course, he's on Game of Thrones. He's here. He's like insanely charming which is why he gets cast in these roles because he's not famous enough yet to get like the character who doesn't get killed who's he's he's like he's very much doing the the um the the secondary 
you know, character. We need someone for our female uh, love interest or female lead to, to, to be interested in. And he's interesting and he's very charming. And of course he's gorgeous. Just like everybody on the show is gorgeous. Um, but ha- if they didn't nail the chemistry between those two, you would not be invested in anywhere near enough, um, in everything else that happens. And every, every time they flash back to their date and then that may change in episodes four plus, but it, they really nail uh, the energy that you need to, you know, Cassie doesn't need to have had a wonderful time with, with, you know, Alex to be massively impacted and traumatized and like sent on this whole journey by what happens, but it sure helps keep us invested as, as an audience. And it makes, it makes you really like Alex. It makes you really like think of, Oh, what if, you know, but if he hadn't been horribly murdered, could this have become an actual relationship? Probably not. But, you know, it's nice to think that. And then it just keeps you invested in all the intrigue with his family and with this other stuff. Is You know, she's got something she can keep jumping back to in her mind as she regains some of her memory and, like, figures out some more of the different things that happened in their night together um, to be a reason she's invested until she's ready to face the other reasons she's invested, which have to do with her own trauma and, and the backstory that, you know, they've hinted at, but I haven't seen yet. Um, so yeah, I think he nails it. I think he's really good. I think having, you know, they play the humor and the what's going on just right in like her headspace there and the, him getting less, like less bloody and then, and more covered over the course of those, I think really helps, um, as he becomes, more of a person if he is a person, you know, like more like fleshed out as opposed to an image that is striking. So I think I, I, it's really effective. I'm really enjoying it so far. Alison, how's it working for you? Great. It's great. I think, um, as a device, it, it could work or not work and there's really no in between, right? Like it's, it would be so easy to go too far with it and have it be sort of cutesy and um, clever in a way that's ineffective and that distracts from the story. Um, but it doesn't. And I think a lot of that comes down to his performance because I was so glad that I got to rewatch these episodes because it emphasized for me how much he's changing his performance based on what's going on with her. He does Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, when Cassie has a particularly terrible idea, uh, does a lot of yes anding because that's what would be happening, right? She'd be convincing herself that it's a good idea. And that's the role he's functioning in. At that point, sometimes when she's starting to feel suspicious or frustrated or sad, like the person he is playing adjusts to her mood because he is essentially playing an imaginary version of a person that she barely knows, which means really he's playing her. Um, and it and that changes because her mental state changes and as you said Noel deteriorates but the that goes down to the production design too that space looks and feels different depending on where yes. she's at and what's happening um what she's whether or not she's wearing what she's wearing at that moment whether or not that changes to meet the needs what time of day it is what the 
atmosphere is like, it all shifts and and he really anchors that, I think. It's one of those performances where the strengths are really easy to miss if you're doing it correctly. Right. Um, but it's a hugely intellectual performance that manages to be grounded in something pretty human and real. Like, you, you don't notice that stuff and that's the point. I didn't think about it much until my second time through and I'm really excited to see what else he does. He's really good at being still. Yeah. And that's essential for this role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. Like, and like you said, Allison, the production design of everything really helps as well because that space is very flexible because of, A, how large it is, but B, hotels are just like these weird liminal spaces that we move in and out of anyway. So the fact that the space itself just kind of keeps shifting in the same way that... Um, Cassie's mental state is shifting from really heavy flashing lights like when she's getting angry at Alex um, when her memories kind of start bleeding into one another um, about another funeral um, or another wake of some kind Um, when Alex pops up in those and then she has to like put him back in this little box but Alex being her is also like, no, you need to be paying attention to this because there are things here that you're not dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching that slowly bleed and how that all gets played by both of the actors, really, um, I think is really, really neat. And the ways in which the show literally sometimes boxes things uh, in the kind of a Soderbergh-esque, um, we're going to do boxes upon boxes to do our split-screen type stuff. Um, I think it also really kind of helps to drive home that kind of fractured psyche nature but also it looks cool and stylish which is what we expect from this kind of a genre and this kind of a story now as well so it all like works on a couple of different levels which i really appreciate yeah it's there's a lot of soderbergh and there's a lot of hitchcock there are a Mm. lot of like really cool cinematic references yeah it's cool as hell and she's a hitchcock Um, blonde right it's just that yeah She's doing that thing in a completely different way. And one of the things that I really admire about it is that just as Cassie is oblivious to a lot of what's going on around her because there's so much of her own mess, and that becomes, moving forward, at least in the fourth episode, like a a piece of the plot, like a really important plot element, um, uh, it also means that she's distracted from other things that are happening in the narrative, right? Like, you watch it, and you can tell that there's something going on with Rosie Perez and you can tell there's something going on with Zosha Mamet, but she doesn't know she's unaware. And these little things pop up. Like she'll say like mob wives or she'll notice some weird thing that Rosie Perez says, like a weird energy. And she, she gets these little flickers and then there's too much mess and it just goes away. So it's up to us to notice the fact that, and it's Annie, right? It's Annie. Annie yeah. Has th- at least three phones, and one of them is definitely a burner, um, right? Or like all of this, all of the corporate espionage and whatever else it is that's going on with Rosie Perez and all of those little, you start to pick up on things, even when that's not the centerpiece. Excuse me, words. The center point of the scene. Um, you start to pick up on these little details, but Cassie just never will because there's too much going on. Um, I just think that's so smart. Yeah, and the other thing I think that is also really smart about what you just brought up about the little like the side plots that kind of try to intersect, but Cassie can just never focus on them. Is that even other characters that should be focusing on those things aren't. So like the FBI is looking for this forward agent 
and totally ignoring Rosie Perez's um, character, who is potentially acting as a foreign agent, maybe not quite being aware that she's a foreign agent, but Mm -hmm. she's a foreign agent. (laughs) Like, lady... The nice man from Korea asked you to buy a bunch of untraceable flash drives. That seems a little shady. <laughs> um, but the FBI is like not even focused on her and would and is not like even looking at that because they're very focused on this Hitchcock blonde who keeps drinking her way into these horrible situations. Yeah. Well, and I think, and Noel, you know more than I do. So, may, yeah. so this is me speaking from your past. Sure. Um, it sure seems like one half of our FBI duo is very fixated on Cassie and the mm-hmm. other one can tell she's important, but also isn't remotely convinced that she is actually the killer. Yeah, um, so sure. then we have this nice, like, misogyny in the workplace subplot. Because well, that guy about... sucks. So first of all, that guy does suck. He was awful on Arrow. He was, uh, what's his name? Felicity's ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Um, who popped up a couple of times and was really great at being a slime ball there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then his character's name here is Van White, which is the most fucking white bread <laughs> federal agent name that you could come up with for this kind of a asshole character, which I just love that it's Van White. It's just. Yes, that's all I need to know about him. Yep. I need to know nothing else <laughs> but that. Um, so we're already at like half an hour or so. Um, mm-hmm. And we've we've sort of covered all three episodes to a certain degree. Is there anything that we haven't hit that you want to really address real fast? We got to talk a little bit more about Rosie Perez. Um, mm-hmm. we Megan, gotta talk, yeah, we, yeah, we got to talk about Megan and we got to talk about Annie. Um, Marcus says on a plot level is what Cassie does that suspicious would a killer normally make a scene at the victim's place of work or get drunk at his funeral especially when they think it's a professional job of course not this is why one of the FBI people is better at their job than the other one and it's also why like the Alex's family just thinks that she's one of some guy named Victor's incompetent field mice Um, so I mean there's a lot of layers happening here but yeah no it's weird that anyone thinks that she's this good or everyone is buying into the idea that she's just faking all of it to th- throw suspicion off of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say everything she does is made more suspicious by the fact that the first thing she does is try to get rid of evidence. Yeah. It doesn't help. <laughs> this is a really good Oh Honey No show. That's what, like one of my very favorite things to do when so, when you're watching TV with someone, in this case Tom, and they start going, oh no, oh no, in response to somebody's bad decisions. That's always so satisfying. And wow, Cassie makes a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. So but, Megan. Yeah. Megan. Well, then last thing with Cassie, because we do need to go. But um, I do appreciate that the show doesn't really judge her. Even Annie yeah. is like, why did you do this? But it's because none of us know what we would do yeah. if we woke up in that situation. And, the, like, she's freaking out going, oh, what are the things that I touched? Uh, and <laughs> collecting it, you know, like. So, and it's, it's very clear that this, like you were saying, this is an oh, honey, no situation where it's like, the show doesn't say she's right. <laughs> but it's also very understandable to react the way that she does. And I like that they don't really judge her on that. Um, 
other than just like, ah, oh, you're making my job so much harder, which is a good way to go to Annie. I really enjoy what we, we've gotten so far. Um, I really hope, I, like, I'm invested in the Annie-Cassie friendship and relationship. I'm worried about that going away or being irreparably harmed over the course of the the miniseries it seems very very likely to me which makes me sad um and i also am very much enjoying perez's performance i like uh what she's bringing to megan and you know absolutely nailing the uh you're my best friend i know i'm not yours and that's okay (laughs) (laughs) what do you think about uh both of these uh characters the other two kind of satellites and also like don't forget Dear, sweet, apparently oblivious to everything, Max. <laughs> and he's not boyfriend. Not boyfriend. That just lives with her. Yeah. Also, oh. how is this only four days? Like, just the flights alone, how is it, like, this whole thing in the first three episodes is less than four days because the the, the brother and the, the nieces get in on day four. Like, I'm boggles my mind sorry Alex, i try not say. to think about the timeline too much and yeah. um i'm just gonna let you know don't think about the timeline too much because <laughs> a number of things just like fluctuate here and it's just like wait how did you get back from rome so fast yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh i i will say i think some of it is intentional because yeah. she's also hopping time zones right mm-hmm. so like she's flying and she's also just pickled yes just like yeah she's very disoriented um uh annie and megan i mean i think they're both great i can't wait for more of those stories i will i rosie perez is great and everything um zosha mamet greater than zosha mamet in the flight attendant greater than sign zosha mamet in girls um and she was still good in girls but she's very fun here the dynamic is immediately recognizable um which i love uh and they feel like lived in relationships they f- there's a big difference between like a close coworker friendship and a friend you've had for years who you don't see a lot of the time and mm-hmm. they're very distinctive and even there are distinctive dynamics with Cassie's other relationships with the other flight attendants but i'm sure we'll talk about them more in the future um oh, poor Shane. i because we're running long and covering three episodes at once, I'm not going to say here's the thing I want to talk about now so much as here's the thing that I'd like to talk about on Wednesday, which is the thing I've been dying to talk about with this show since I saw it with my friend and yours, Kate Kulzik, is the music because I it's love so the good. score so much. It, it's very I good. was just talking about this with my partner when we finished like the second episode and I just went, wait. This is Blake Neely? Blake Neely's mm-hmm. been able to do this kind of shit the whole time, and he hasn't been doing this on any of the Arrowverse shows? <laughs> That's a hard yes. Well, it's because he's actually, who knows? I don't know. I don't yeah. know Blake Neely. But I, this feels like, oh, he's actually writing all the music yeah. for this one. Yeah. As mm-hmm. opposed to having his assistants write the music and, like, just, rep, you know, like, yeah. replicate the style for the other, like, way too many shows he's doing. Yes. One can, listeners, if you are new to this somehow, if you haven't heard this before... <laughs> It is common practice, instead of having a music department, like a scoring department, the way that there's a costuming department, usually shows hire a composer, and then that composer hires one or several assistants so that they can churn out all the content needed for the multiple shows that they are writing the music for at any given time. If you have one composer writing the music for more than just a couple, maybe, shows in a year, there's no way they are writing all of that themselves. It takes too much time. So if, you, if you're if you like, oh, how did this composer start out so really interesting, compelling, original, unique sound, then over the time, as they and the show got more popular, it feels like the, it's not as unique or interesting anymore unless it's like a particularly meaningful episode that's why (laughs) bear mccreary (coughs) outlander 
<laughs> yeah. 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 Hard yes. Um, it, it gets into rights issues. Some productions would like to to put people on staff, and they just, they don't have the budget for it. It's not in the union rules. There's different. It's complicated, but it's annoying for me because mm-hmm. I would like them all to get credits. Me too. Anyways. Uh, I'm a big defender of Puppets of Tomorrow, the song. I just want to <laughs> go on record yeah. as saying that w- whether that was Blake Neely or an assistant, that's a jam. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And it may have been the writers, too. I don't know who mm-hmm. wrote that. Um, so someone needs to like find out real quick. Yeah. Um, and the scoring soundtrack, the scoring department and the soundtrack department are different. There's different people. Music supervisors versus composers do different things. And both right. of them on this show are very fun. Yes. Yeah, because the needle drops are all really excellent, too. And not just in the ringtones, right? Yeah. Like, it's very, it's got, it's not just because they're using that song, The Good Time Girl, but it's in the, it with regard to the music, it's got big, the young Pope, the new Pope energy, um, which I also mean is high praise. Chaotic good. <laughs> um, and Marcus notes that he is also um, liking Mamet on the show, really enjoying her character so far. Um, she always seems to be mis or underused in uh, a, sh- a series, which I think is fair. Um, and then Marcus says, well, it was the theme song for the new yeah. Pope. Um, so uh, Marcus, if you have any other comments, uh, drop them in the chat real quick. And I'm going to give you both the episode titles for episodes four and five, which are what we're going to discuss. Woof on wednesday uh so episode four is called conspiracy theories super helpful and then episode five is called other people's houses also very helpful i'm sure yeah so like theories guesses allison you've already seen episode four yeah i won't make any guesses on episode four although i realized in this moment that because i watch screeners i actually don't know the any of the episode titles for the first three episodes yeah so that's cool um other people's houses i'm gonna guess that because Cassie uh, is not safe at her apartment, that it's an episode where she keeps having to 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 couch hop uh, because everybody is sick of her shit. Um, so that's my guess is that she's going from like friend to friend, um, further and further down the list, trying to get somebody to let her crash on her couch, but she's she's burning a lot of. She's burning a lot of bridges. Don't don't bring a coworker to a funeral of a person you're suspected of murdering. Oh, yeah, Allison, you know Jada's not going to let Cassie even anywhere know where she lives. No, absolutely no. not. No, that one's <laughs> that one's going to be left on red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say conspiracy theories. Looking forward to a bunch of Michelle Gomez in that one. Also looking forward to. I feel like we'll get we're gonna get some sort of more backstory with TR Knight and the nieces being in town um for that one. So looking forward to that. Uh and conspiracy theories around obviously the murder, but also around whatever's going on with Megan and whatever the um whatever the brothers theories are gonna be about what's happening with Cassie. Some will be accurate, some will not. Um also for the last one, I, I that's gotta have at least some level of Cassie at Megan's so that'll be interesting to see how long it takes Cassie to figure out that something is very much not right there um and I'm looking forward to it it's gonna be super fun uh Marcus says I feel like if a character besides Cassie was in her situation they would have come up with more conspiracy theories and I think that's probably fair someone else would have a board by now and no not Cassie um like she was actively thinking Miranda would be the one to help her out so far too long um yeah yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love that. Everything with Annie, she's not your friend. That helpful person is not your friend. Oh my god, have you never watched Law and Order? Yeah, 
Um, all right. Well, with that, um, listeners, I know that we know that you have many options when it comes to listening to podcasts <laughs> about popular television. But we really appreciate you spending time with us today. And we hope to see you sometime again soon, like maybe on Wednesday, when we talk about flight attendant episodes four and five. Uh, so be safe, uh, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you all on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Marcus. Bye. What a good bit, Mel. Good job.